Welcome to our Lent series of Talks for a Magical Monday, a weekly podcast by the Heralds of the Gospel. I'm your host, Brother Gustavo. For those who are not familiar with the Heralds of the Gospel, the Heralds are a community active in the Catholic Archdiocese of Toronto, as well as several other cities across Canada. Founded by Monsignor Ron Cladias, the Heralds comprise priests, religious, brothers and sisters, and lay people since their pontifical recognition in 2001. For those who are familiar with the Heralds, this podcast features the talks following the Heralds' weekly rosary at St. Patrick's Parish in Schomburg, Ontario, as well as other events where the brothers share some consoling and encouraging thoughts precisely geared to that dreaded beginning of a probably hard week called Mondays. If you want to know more about the origins of the podcast, stop here and listen to episode number one. So even if today it's not Monday and you are commuting and doing chores, take heart, cheer up, and enjoy today's talk recorded live during the Herald's Lent mission at St. Mary's Church in Nobleton, Ontario. The topic, the way of the cross and the third and fourth stations, the need of having a repentant and humbled heart. Welcome then to Talks for a Magical Monday, the weekly podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel. Very good. So tonight we're going to have a meditation about the passion of Jesus. We have been invited by Father here to to share with you some things about the Passion and somehow to we see one Lent coming, another going and perhaps many of us have seen many, too many and yet every time we are in Lent sometimes we have difficulty to focus well in what we need. Now a repentant and humble heart it is one of the best things we can aim for during Lent. A repentant and humble heart can bring us very, very far. And if you pay attention, it's the most important we can have. Because we're humans and virtues are difficult to practice. And who is going to present himself or herself in front of God with a full conscience, with a complete notion that we are to be found just in front of God. God is infinite perfection, his infinite justice, yet his infinite love. And who of us would dare to present ourselves in front of his majesty and somehow aim at saying, oh, here is Brother Gustavo, you know, that's a perfect person. Who can do that? No one. And yet a repentant and humble heart is what really God, is what, what God wants from us. So tonight we're going to see the third and the fourth stations of the cross. One talks about our Lord falling, the other one talks about the cross. If we pay attention, the unspeakable brutality of the passion, we have some representations, art has gone as far as possible, we have movies here and there, but who can represent the actual 
divine suffering of Jesus. When he presents himself as the Lamb of God who is going to carry all the sins of mankind from the beginning until the last person that exists, all that, say, wrath or that justice that God needs to punish and it's going to, to follow into one single person, and that person is divine. You can imagine the violence, or we cannot maybe imagine the, the, the violence of the passion. Just for us to have a little idea, you know, when they were studying the Holy Shroud of Turin, that fantastic picture that depicts and marvels all scientists until probably the end of the world, because they're going to be discovering newer and newer things. They were able to reconstruct, and just one single detail here, the crowning of thorns. You know that medically, the crowning of thorns is one of the cruelest torments. And why? Because in our head, we have all the terminals of our nerves. So all the nerves, every single nerve that can feel pain, has the terminals in the head. So when they place this crown of thorns in the head of Jesus, uh, it wasn't just a nice crown, thin one, but was actually almost a helmet of crowns, according to private visions that, that some saints had. Well, what, what happened was that every single terminal, every single nerve that was there was tormented. What was the sensation Jesus had with the crowning of thorns is this. The doctors, the, the forensic doctors were saying, imagine a dentist that just without using any anesthetics goes and makes holes in all your teeth. And you have seen already at the dentist when a, a single nerve is touching your teeth, how do you feel, right? Well, imagine all your teeth would be pierced, would be, would be made holes and so on, and your nerves now are bare and you can feel all the pain. That's exactly what happened with the crowning of thorns. Tonight we're not here to talk about the, the, only the crowning of thorns, but we're actually here to talk about the third station. And the third station is when Jesus falls for the first time. But at the same time, there is a huge thermometer in ourselves. We could talk a lot about the passion. We could talk a lot about the, the way of the cross. But there is one thing we have, which is we need to examine, to pay attention, to, to take advantage in this land on where our heart is. Because I was saying, okay, we need a repentant and humble heart. But how are our heart is going to be repentant or humble or whatever if we fill it sometimes with things that are not good? There was a, a saint in the Middle Ages who used to say this, the heart can be compared to a stone mill. Because whatever we put in the stone mill, it immediately it gets processed. So you can imagine, if you, do, if you, if you use uh, grapes, you have a fantastic grape juice that's going to become wine. If you use the best olive oils, you're going to have the best, uh, sorry, olives, you're going to have the best olive oil. If you put trash in there, you're going to have something horrendous. Why? Because independently of the machinery, we need to see what kind of product we pour into this millstone, the stone mill. The heart is the same thing. And that's why during Lent, it's very, very interesting to examine what do we place in our heart? What do we fill our heart with? On one side, God's love is infinite. 
On the other side, our love is finite, is not infinite. So you can imagine something that is finite. If you start, you think, okay, I have this much, let's say, to fill up. But then I have, my, this is my love, properly speaking, let's say. But then I have, okay, a little bit of love for my job, a love for my car, a love for um, things I do. A love. If we start making the summatory of all those loves, tell me something. What's left there for the love of God? And again, it's a very interesting thermometer for Lent, right? Because if we are going to find out that 99.9999% are filled with other things, and then, okay, and then the rest is for God, how are we going to have a repentant and humbled heart? And that's something that is a very, very nice point for our meditation. Or perhaps for taking some resolutions and some serious resolutions. So this is why we're here tonight. Now, if we are going to go to the next step of this, in the third station, is how Jesus fell with his cross. He was carrying the cross. There is a very pious tradition that says that when Jesus received the cross, he received it and kissed it. And why? Because that was the instrument for our redemption. Because that was the instrument he was going to use to open the doors of heaven for us. But the cross was not something poetic. The cross was not something um, that we can um, imagine as comfortable. The cross was terrible. The heaviness of the cross made Jesus fall. Not only once, but three times. And each of them, he stood up again. And full of love for us, he continued walking. So, here we go. And at the same time, we can think here a little bit. How are we when we have to carry our crosses? Because Jesus had every single justification just to let the cross down. He was scourged. The scourging was something brutal. He had lost. The doctors, again, that were reconstructing things from the Shroud of Turin say that when you lose, after that kind of scourging, you lose so much blood that you get fever and you get weak. So you can imagine the whole night of scourging and then you have to carry this heavy, heavy cross. Of course you are justified to let it down. Who would go and say, but Jesus, don't you, why don't, why don't you pick that cross again? Who would do that when he, his whole body was just a single wound? And yet Jesus wanted to teach us that no matter how much we suffer, we need to love that cross and we need to carry it, no matter what. But then, of course, you know, within us, there is this, this little voice that says, no, 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 don't worry. And then we're going to find hundreds of justifications to let the cross down. And we can cross, cross our eyes, we can remember things in our life. What a good occasion this Lent may be to think about the times when we let the cross down. And pay attention to because those crosses, you're the only one that can carry it. That cross is made for you. That cross is devised for your capacity for my capacity, for our capabilities. God gives it to us, so by carrying it, we can reach heaven. By carrying it, 
we can defeat all those vices, all those bad instincts, all those things that we have that are not good. So, how do we deal with our cross? How do we carry our crosses? And again, you know, we always have that quitter instinct we can translate into modern day language that comes and says, don't worry, you're justified, just let go, it is too much for you. The, the, the cards were stuck against you. You just can't do nothing else. And we're going to find a ton of justifications just to pick up that cross, to pick up that suffering we have to go through and let it down. How beautiful it would be that at the moment when we present ourselves in front of God, we could turn around and see our path empty. Empty of what? Empty of crosses we let down. And the opposite, we could, you know, be in front of God and carry that big, huge, enormous cross that we never let go. But someone would say, well, but then my crosses, you know, are all just all there. I actually cannot go back to pick them up. It's impossible. So here we go. That's what we need, a repentant and humbled heart. If we have that, everything can be expected from us. But to acquire a repentant and humble heart, we need that cross with us. And we need that cross permanently with us. And then again, you know, our, our quitter instinct will come and say, but Brother Gustavo, don't be, I mean, who, who's going to be able to carry that cross? You're right. By ourselves, we can't do that. It's only with the graces that our Lord gained by carrying his cross. At the moment of this fall that is there depicted in the third station, that we are going to be able to carry the cross as we have to. But here there is a little secret. The more we rely on his sufferings, the more we rely on his grace, that's when we are going to be able to actually carry that cross properly. So it's an impossible mission, impossible task. For a human being, it's impossible. And that's why our Lord says, without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> And it's not, you can do a little, you can do somehow. You can do nothing, zero, nil. No. That's why he wants so much a repentant and humble heart from us. But besides that falling of the first time, we are going to see on the next station, one of the most important, one of the most sorrowful encounters in history, which is when Jesus encounters his mother. So let's say here a little prayer that I think is very important. Grant me, Jesus, the grace to continue to embrace my cross even when I collapse under its weight. Grant me the grace to raise up again whenever I grow faint. Grant me, Lord, the supreme grace of never departing from the way by which I must reach the height of my own cross. These are probably the treasures we need the most for our life. If we had it in the past, how different maybe things would have been. If we have it now, how different our future can be. So let's never get discouraged because if Jesus stood up again and carried that cross, by his grace, we can also do it we can go to the next station, which is a tremendous encounter between Jesus and his mother. 
the theologians, the popes, the saints, everybody says that Our Lady can be called the co-redemptress with Jesus. Not because by herself can do anything, but because it was such a union between God and her, between Jesus and her, that she participated and she went through every single of the sufferings of the cross. But now you can imagine our lady, she's a mother and the best of all mothers. And I see here so many mothers. How do you fare? How can you bear seeing your own children suffering? It's a tremendous thing. So imagine our lady's suffering when she encountered Jesus carrying his cross, completely wounded, covered with blood, and knowing that much of that suffering was going to be for souls who would not even care. If we're going to think about the way of the cross, how it is, how it was, we're still in Jerusalem when we go, we can see several of the stations of the cross. And for some reason, you know, the atmosphere tends to be like that too. It's an atmosphere where uh, you still feel, you, you can reconstruct what Jesus felt at that moment. When we're praying during the way of the cross in Jerusalem, a ton of people just come, they try to offer you things to buy. They are very disrespectful, they don't even let you pray. And sometimes you, you tend to think that they make the point of not letting you pray. You can feel a little bit that resentment and that anti-Christian, anti-Catholic, anti-spiritual, if you want to put it that way, attitude by which they don't want you to pray. They want just to interrupt you deliberately. Now, we can reconstruct how much hatred was there for Jesus. Hatred that didn't make sense because he passed all his life here on earth doing good. And you can imagine, like many saints do, or like many, many other saints actually were able to see, that very same person Jesus had cured from leprosy. That other person that was cured by him and was freed from these sufferings he was having. That other one that had only recovered, only recovered his sight. And they were all there against Jesus. Or worse, maybe they were not against openly, but they did not have the courage to stay by Jesus. How would he felt? So in this encounter, in which the eyes of Jesus encountered the eyes of his mother, how much of an exchange of love for mankind. At that moment, you and I were there, because we're not anonymous for God. We have to remember that in every step of the Passion, Jesus suffered for a particular person. And at a certain moment in the Passion, he saw you and I. But he saw us now as we are. He probably saw this church. He probably saw us attending Mass. He probably, at a certain moment, in his most unspeakable sufferings, he decided to stop and say, I'm going to offer for you, for me. That particular time had to happen when he offered in particular for you and I. So what a great mother we have, Our Lady. 
what an amazing Savior we have, Jesus. And all they ask from us is not the highest degree of virtue, but is a repentant and humbled heart. That can be attained as much as we ask for the grace of God, as much as we go for a good confession in this land, but much more than that probably, as much as we are able to really, really focus and not letting this land pass without finding out what do I have to do in my particular life, in my particular moment, in my particular, in this point of history of mine, what do I have to have to acquire a repentant and humble heart? What do I need? What do I have to do? If that is our main concern right now, if that is going to be our main concern during Lent, fantastic. I'm sure Our Lady was super happy, even during the Passion, to know that someone there, someone here, was ready to make that change because of the love of Jesus, because of the love of hers. So let's ask, let's pray, and let's ask that particular grace that is going to be a life-changing, that is going to, again, it's not going to change our past. The past is gone. But it's going to completely change our future. And that future is in our hands. The grace of God is there. Everything is there for us to do it. But no one is going to do it for us. We need to do it ourselves. With the grace of God, everything is possible. Or better, for the grace of God, nothing is impossible. And this is all for today's episode. You can reach us anytime at one of the Herald's websites, such as heralds.ca forward slash podcast, New Insights Multimedia forward slash podcast, or you can also subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you normally listen to your favorite podcast. And as per now, pray hard, work hard, keep growing in devotion to the Eucharist and our Blessed Mother, evangelize by word and example, and be every day more and more a real herald of the gospel. Oh, no,